Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. Man, we serve an awesome God. All right, last week, to sum it up, we discussed love, that love is action. It's not feeling, it's not emotion, it's action. Love does. Love does what? Exactly. That's the question we get to answer. Love is a choice. It's a position reversal. It's saying, I choose you over myself, over what I want. Ultimately, if we were to define love, it would be that love is a choice. It's saying, I choose you and I set myself aside for you. Love is sacrifice. And it's nothing less than that. Love is sacrifice, nothing less. How many of you guys completed the challenge last week? Love two people, one easy, one hard. All right, if you loved one of your two, raise your hand. Good job. All right, all right. If you loved two out of your two, raise your hand. I'm so proud of you. That is, that is Holy Spirit at work in you. Great job, Elevate. Love you guys. There was a mother who was having trouble with her infant. The infant was acting up, acting out, and so she put the infant into the playpen. Now, Grandpa was nearby, and she knew that Grandpa was kind of a softy, so she made it clear as she left the living room, Grandpa, he stays in the playpen. Don't pull him out because he's cute. Leave him in there. He's on punishment right now. So the mom goes in the other room, and you know what? She hears the rattling of the playpen door. Mm-mm, grandpa's too soft. So she comes storming into the living room, ready to fuss grandpa. And she noticed that grandpa climbed into the cage, into the playpen with the infant. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what God does for us? We can't reach him. He's transcendent. He's holy. He's all powerful. He is God. There is a ladder there we can't climb. And yet, He climbs into our world with us. This this series is titled and inspired by a book called Love Does by the author Bob Goff. Great speaker, great guy. I got to meet him. He, He has this great line in the book. I used to want to fix people, but now I just want to be with them. That's the grandfather's heart. That's God's heart. I just want to be with them. Matthew 22, a guy comes to Jesus and tests him. Jesus, what's the most important thing we can do? What's the greatest law? I think you know, you've heard this before. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We don't have to forget our mind. We can actually enter into this thing using our heads, which is good news. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything else that you can read or learn in morality is going to hang on these two things. Love God, love people. So how do we love? And here you go. I'm front-loading this thing. This is what I want you to walk out of here with. Love decreases distance. Just like that grandfather who went out of his way to decrease the distance between himself and the one that he loved. 
Think about this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, when God is saying, this is what I want you to name the kid. This is, this is who he is. And she'll bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. Jesus means Yahweh saves from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated what? God with us. Why? Because love decreases distance. It closes the gap between one and another. Think about this. John chapter 1, 14. And the word became flesh, talking about Jesus, and he tabernacled among us. He dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Tabernacle, if you go Old Testament, that was the tent where the glory of God hung out over right? And it was right in the middle of the camp. It was among them. It was God's presence with and in his people. And the word became flesh and dwelt. It tabernacled. It was with his people. Like that grandfather, he closed the gap. We couldn't reach him, so he came to us. The one who is love displays to us what love looks like by decreasing distance. He first loved us. He showed us love. He stepped out of heaven into flesh so that we can know him. I mentioned the Good Samaritan story last week. There's some things I wanted to show tonight that I didn't mention last week. Let's look at the Good Samaritan story real quick. Y'all know it, right? Jesus tells the story. A guy is walking from one place to another and he gets mugged like hardcore mugged, left bleeding in the road. And this guy is a Jew. He's like kind of one of the popular crowd. And a Samaritan, one of the guys that Jews hate, comes by and sees him. Now let's back up a little bit. Now by chance there was a certain priest, someone who should be functioning in the love and the law of the Lord. And he came down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the where? The other side. He went to the other side of the street or street, depending on what side of home you're on. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the same place, came and looked and passed by where? The other side. side. He opened up the distance. Now, what happens with the Samaritan? You getting a clue? Are you ready? Here's the next verse. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he what? Went to him. Thank you, Tanner. He went to him. He, He closed the distance. He crossed the street. Something in him was greater it was greater than what was in what should have been in the priest and the Levite. He closed the gap because love decreases distance. Actually, Miko told me today, Dom, this is how you spell love. T-I-M-E. How does love decrease distance? With two things. With time and with attention. If you have someone in your life and they say they love you, but they don't have time or attention for you, you may want to double check that. If you're saying to somebody or something else, I love you, but I ain't got no time or attention for you, we need to double check ourselves. This is kicking me in the butt. Anybody else? We need to start checking ourselves. How do we, how do we close the distance? We give time. We give, intest, we give attention. So let's bring this home a little bit. Matthew 22, 37 through 39 is where God says, here's the greatest commandment, love people, love God. So let's start with God. How do we close the distance between us and God? We give him time 
and we give him attention. Last week, we talked about sacrifice. Love is sacrifice and nothing less. Are we willing to sacrifice for him? Are we willing to say, God, your will, not my will. What you want over what I want, ouch, ouch, ouch. Are we willing to decrease the distance by giving time and attention to our relationship with God? Ouch, ouch, ouch. But God is calling us to be a people that turn to him. And while he's being Emmanuel, while he's wanting to dwell among us, he's wanting us to respond. He's wanting us to close the distance back and say, Lord, I'm on my knees. Reveal yourself to me. Teach me. Let me, let me start understanding your voice so that all the other voices in my head start sounding foreign. I want to know you. We pursue. And you know what? We need to remove some barriers. Maybe we need to change what music we listen to for a little while, maybe permanently. Maybe we need to change what movies we're watching, what social media that we're on. Maybe we need to change some of the friends that are hanging around. What are some of those barriers that are opening the distance, that are separating us from that relationship with God? And we need to start pursuing and chasing down those things that tie us closer and closer and closer to him. And then a nearness to him. And this doesn't happen until this. Having a nearness with our God, with love himself, equips us and empowers us and strengthens us then to love other people. Because the second is like the first. And the second commandment is like the first commandment, love people. We have to first love him. How on earth could we love our enemies? How can we have somebody who spits in our face and doesn't like us and doesn't appreciate us and wants the worst for us and we offer a sacrifice to them and show them time and attention? How is that possible? It's not with our humanity. It is only possible if the love of God is equipping, empowering, and strengthening us through his Holy Spirit. How on earth do we go out of our way to love someone that's hard to love, that smells funny, that they're on a different different area in our minds from what is normal or natural, it's because the love of God is already in us. Because we've already drawn near to him. We've already drawn close to him. So how do we love people? We close the distance through time and attention. Thank you, Annie. We sacrifice. We put them over ourselves. And we decrease the distance through time and attention. Bob Goff says in his book that we give inefficient love. How many times do we have love for someone if it fits our schedule? And the phone rings and we're like, nope, sorry, you're going to have to catch you next time. You know, Bob Goff wrote his phone number, his cell phone number in the back of the book and said, call me. I'll try to answer for you anytime. That's crazy. That's inefficient love. That's where you get psychopaths calling you. That's where you get numbers you've never seen before. Inefficient love. Think about Jesus when he's walking down the road and he's on the way to heal a girl that's near death. And on the way to heal her, another woman comes and tugs on his robe. And you know what he does? He doesn't say, hold on, I'm going to have to get back to you. This girl's sick. He stops everything, stops the whole crowd and gives her a complete 100% undivided attention. You know what? This little girl dies because Jesus was being inefficient. Thank goodness he's Jesus. He raised her from the dead. 
But he knew exactly what he was doing because right here, you notice the Samaritan didn't go looking for someone to love. He just loved the person that was in his path. We need to be functioning through inefficient love where it's, not, it's no longer about us. Why? Because love is sacrifice and it's nothing less. Is this starting to make sense? Is all the pieces, are the pieces coming together? Me too. How do we love people? Here's, just a, here's one of the things that makes it hard if we have offenses with somebody. They hurt us. We're offended. There's unforgiveness there. And you know what? The only way that we're going to be able to love obediently is if someone closes the gap and we can't wait for them to do it. God isn't calling us to sit back and wait for them to be the bigger person, for them to be the more mature Christian. God is calling us to be the ones that are willing to sacrifice our feelings a little bit to try to close a gap. Jesus says to love our enemies. That is crazy and absolutely impossible unless we don't already have the love of God flowing through us. And that love of God doesn't come through anything but a nearness to him. And that nearness is not going to come unless we close the gap. And we are not going to close the gap without giving him time and attention and sacrifice. There's a young man. I try not, I'm trying not to give away too much of the book because if you don't read it between now and your graduation, I'll be giving it to you uh, when you graduate. There's a young man in a story towards the end, and his name is John, and they were sitting around a campfire, and Bob is, is leading this group of guys, and they're on the cusp of graduating college. Their life is in front of them, and Bob looks around to John and says, John, I dare you to spin the globe, plant your finger, and go there for Jesus. And if not, you know what? Uganda needs help. So John and, John and Bob went to Uganda and Uganda had very recently, and this is actually part of y'all's history too, had a civil war where entire people groups were wiped out. And then AIDS came behind that and wiped out more people until all that was really left in the country was children. It became a nation of children. The average age in Uganda was 14 years old. Babies trying to raise babies, trying to survive. And then behind them comes this awful, awful uh, terrorist group called the Lord's, oh, what was it called? The Lord's Re- whatever army. I don't feel like reading my notes. They're bad. And they start kidnapping by tens of thousands the children that are left behind, putting machine guns in their hands and having them kill other people. And so John and Bob walk into the aftermath of this and they find entire camps of thousands of kids, and they have no education, they have no history, background, parents, they have no way out and no way forward. So they go to the government and say, government, authorities, what would it take to make a school? And they outlined a plan, it would take three years to get through the red tape to make a school. So John and Bob decided they weren't going to do that, and they built a school anyway. They advertise to all the surrounding communities, we're building a school, we're going to give you an education, we're going to do everything we can to get you out of the muck. As widespread as they could, they announced it. And on the opening day of school, they had the bursting turnout of four kids. But they weren't, they weren't disappointed. We're going to keep going anyway. All right, we're going to teach these four kids. We're going to disciple them. We're going to, we're going to move them forward. 
And you know what? They had an entire number explosion. They started recruiting teachers from all over North Uganda, and they doubled that number to eight. They were on fire. They were exploding. By the end of the first school year, what was that, nine months? They had 19 students. Yes! And you know what? When the kids weren't studying, they were out in the field playing soccer, which was kind of hard because the field had an, a tree and a pole right in the middle of it. But hey, you just pretend like someone's in basketball playing post or something. I don't know. And you know what? Them and their shoeless feet were coming every day to school. And soon, <laughs> God kept blessing it. Soon there were more kids coming in and more kids coming in. And, and John called up Bob, who had gone back to the States, because Bob does a lot. Wait till you read the book. And John says, Bob, I've got two kids, and they're walking eight miles a day to be able to come to school. Can we please board them? Can we give them a place to stay? And Bob was like, no, there's no way we can do that. You don't understand, because once you start boarding students, there's all these other rules, and we have to monitor them and, and feed them and clothe them. There's just, we're not going to be able to pull that off. It, it's it's a all myriad of legal problems and challenges. And, and John's like, Bob, come on, we can do this. I just need two bunks. Just two bunks, Bob. No, no, it's, it's just not going to be possible. Come on, Bob. It's for the kids. And that day forward, John became known as Two Bunk John. Soon there were 100 kids, and they're running out of room. Kids who had carried machine guns and navigated minefields are now going to school and playing soccer. <laughs> National tests came around. Hard tests, Bob actually says in the book, I can't pass it. A hard national test for all the students graduating high school. And so several years had gone by, and their first class of 19 was graduating, and they went and took the test. And John is like, oh, man, these are kids that were carrying guns, shooting at people, and now we're trying to get them to pass a national exam. And so he called up Bob, and Bob's like, okay, how many passed? One, two, three? Do Do we have four pass? Bob, we had 19 out of 19 pass this exam. The following year, they had 30 students graduating, (laughs) and 30 out of 30 passed the test. Not only did they pass the test, they passed number one in all of North Uganda, their little Nowheresville school. And you know what? That little soccer team, with its massive pool of 30 students, also defeated every other team in North Uganda that year. There are now... Not two, but 250 full-time boarding students at that school. They had to move into new, new, into new buildings. And you know how we sponsor a kid in Africa, 30 bucks a month through World Vision or whatever? Those kids at that school are sponsoring a kid in Oregon to help him get through school. How about that fun reversal? And you know it was because one guy wasn't willing to sacrifice, or was willing to sacrifice. It was because one guy was willing to say, I care, therefore, I'm going to close the distance. Yep, it's an ocean. It's an expensive plane ticket. It's going to take my life, but I'm going to close the distance because I love. Bob says this in the middle of the chapter. I guess no one told them that the academy was too small, too remote, 
too underfunded or too barefoot. I think a lot of times we spend a lot of our time saying, nope, that's too inconvenient. It's too out of my way. It's going to take too much time. It's too inefficient for my plans today. There was a lot, there was success because of a kid named Two Bunk John. So I have two challenges for you tonight. The first challenge, how many were here last week? Show me your hands. You had two people to love, one easy, one hard. Now, if you weren't here last week, actually, let me start. If you were here last week, I have a challenge for those two people again. And this is it. Close the distance between both of them. Close the distance between you and that person that's easy to love and close the distance between you and that person that's hard to love. I'm not talking about physical distance alone. I'm talking about emotional distance, relationship distance. Advocate for a relationship in some sacrificial, hard kind of way. Those two people. If you weren't here last week, think and pray about it. Who are two people in my life? One that's easy to love and one that's hard. And I'm going to be praying for you that God will give you the courage to close the distance. And here's a second challenge. This is an easy one. This week, begin to process every time you hear the word love against the litmus test of sacrifice and closing the distance. If you hear your favorite music artist and they get up on stage and they say, I love you, my fans, and you say to yourself, do you sacrifice for your fans, for me? Have you ever closed the distance between us? I'm pretty sure my buck is getting you on that stage. Start processing things. When you start hearing the word love thrown around in a movie or a song, start processing, is this sacrifice? Is this closing distance? Or is this emotion? I dare you to do it. It's going to change your perspective on love. All of a sudden, things are going to start seeming shallow and hollow. But then you're going to start recognizing rich, real, true love. Because love sacrifices and nothing less. And love closes distance. Thank you, Jesus. Love decreases distance. I like the Ds. Eli Weasel, or Wiesel, is a Jewish Holocaust survivor. He's a professor, and he authored 75 books. He says, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. If we love, we will close the distance. We will decrease the space between us and another. And Jesus tells us to love those three levels, those who are easy, those who are hard, and those who are enemies. Love is not the opposite, or hate is not the opposite of love. Indifference is. So let's go and love inefficiently this week. Let's pour out the love of Jesus, first by loving him and letting his love flow through us to each other. Heavenly Father, you are God. I pray, Lord, that every, everyone within the sound of my voice right now will be within the sound of your voice, and you are calling us closer to your heart. Lord, I pray that you'll give us the strength to sacrifice what we want for you and for us to pursue you so that your love can flow through us to other people. We surrender, Lord. Lord, give us a great week. I pray that Elevate is home. And I pray that it's a home to everyone who walks through those doors and you start drawing our friends and our family members to come and feel your presence.
You are our king. In Jesus' name, amen.